I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. All right. Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> I, I, Daniel usually starts out, but today, today Daniel is away from us. He's away from the microphone today, celebrating a time of vacation during the holidays, and with me is Mr. Josh Humphreys. Hey guys, what's up? Josh. I'm Daniel's replacement. So good to have the you today. The best we have. Yeah, that's right. So good <laughs> to have you today. And we are, I'm excited about this podcast because we are covering Ezekiel. Now, mm. there's this is the thing about Ezekiel. Ezekiel is always one of those books I dread when I get there because I remember so many parts of it that it's just like, Mm-hmm. I I just it, my mind just yeah. I, I'm like what in the world are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, but then there are some really great moments in Ezekiel that I'm glad I read through it and and some very uh some very, uh, many oft quoted portions mm-hmm. uh, in Ezekiel so that uh, that are good to get to today we're looking at Ezekiel's 23 through uh, 36 and so uh, 32 through 36 20 23. 23? Yep. Oh, Ezekiel yeah. 23 Oops. through 36. I read yeah. that wrong earlier yeah. then. So you've you got a lot, big, <laughs> big wide span of stuff to cover in Ezekiel. And uh, Psalm 127 mm-hmm. through 131 and uh, Proverbs 28. Just, just we're eking through one verse at a time because we've got to drag Proverbs out till mm-hmm. the, it only has 31 chapters. Uh, and, um, and then Hebrews 11. Uh, we are looking at Hebrews 11, 12, mm-hmm. and 13, and then James 1, 2, and 3. And those the, those last few chapters of Hebrew, Hebrews are awesome, mm-hmm. and James is so chock full of yeah. practical information um, and, and and really to help us understand how to put our faith into action. So, mm-hmm. so we'll be looking at all that, and we'll be uh, right back after this break. And we're back, and we are getting ready to tackle some things that we read devotionally. And you know what? I'm going to let Josh go first. I, hmm. I'm going to be the the giving one uh, here today. Well, so Josh, in your reading, what was the what's the first thing you want to share with us today? Yeah. So mine comes from Proverbs 29, and it also um, it also comes out of um, Hebrews 12. Um, yeah, they connect. Um, so. Wow. Proverbs 29, one says, he who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Um, and I think that, um, Proverbs like, again, is just like line after line of just application, 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 and, um, just things to be brought to your attention. And I, um, think about reproof, um, and being moldable. Um, and like the only way that we can learn and be taught and be moldable is if we're okay with, um, being reproved and being called out in our sin, um, and so, you know, as we're going through the, the reading plan, if you go to Hebrews um, 12, um, verses 5 through really 11, just talk about the same thing. Um, um, 12, 10 says, For they disciplined for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. Um, and I think that that is just so important, is just understanding that being called out and um, being called out in our sin and may, being... Uh, reproved in that way um, is for our holiness and for 
um, his glory as well. And so when, when we get disciplined by God um, or our friends call us out, we need to take that with um, humility. And because if not, then like verse 29, it says we'll be broken beyond healing. And those moments of just like your brain being mangled and thinking that you've got it all together, um, it's not not good for you. So that was my first no, one. <laughs> no, that is not, that is not good for you. Yeah. Very good. Mm. I'm, I'm looking at Ezekiel, and I'm torn between two passages, and mm. I'm just gonna, having to choose one off the fly here. But I'm going to go with uh, Ezekiel 36 because uh, it is one of the, um, I think, more familiar passages and, and covers something that uh, Ezekiel actually covers a, a couple of different times. Uh, but it's in Ezekiel uh, 36, and I'm looking at uh, verse 34, verse 24. He says, For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will summon the grain and make it plentiful and I will not bring famine on you. I will also make the fruit of the trees and the produce of the field plentiful so that you will no longer experience reproach among the nations on account of famine." You will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and detestable practices. It is not for your sake that I will act. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Let this be known to you. Be ashamed and humiliated because of your ways, house of Israel. This is, I think, one of the things that, uh, of course, Ezekiel is talking to them about their restoration and and that this punishment that's going to come upon them as his wrath is being poured out, that it that it has it's a season and it will end and God will restore them. But this uh, this kind of this prophetic moment in Ezekiel where he talks about how he is going to take out their heart of stone and he's going to give them a heart of flesh, how he is going to put his he's going to place his spirit within us to cause us to follow his statutes that's a reality that we have in Christ and and one of the things that uh, this is kind of an already not yet kind of thing because and it actually goes in different phases you have when Israel was called back together from exile and brought back in and and they came back together as a people, but still, even then, they were still having to follow the statutes, still had this weakness within them. Then Christ comes and brings salvation to the Jews and then ultimately to the Gentiles, giving them, uh, pouring, putting his spirit within them, giving them the ability to do what God had asked them to do. And then ultimately it's fulfilled when, uh, when there will be no more time for teaching. There will be no more time for us to have to tell people the gospel Mm. or anything because all of us will know him. We will know him and we will just simply practice that which he has put upon us to practice. You know, I I think uh, death is one of those things that you you think in terms of uh, what happens to us when we die, what happens to our spirit and and our soul and, and our bodies and um, and I, I, and so many different images come into play. But one of the things that God makes clear to us is that when our spirit is absent from us, then we, it goes to be with the Lord. Now, I, I, the level of consciousness we have, how we see, how 
all those technical details that I don't, you know, once you close your eyes in death, it is a mystery. We, mm-hmm. we don't know what's, what, what is going to, whether you have a brain for right. something to run through or not. But we do know this. We do know that what he promises is that he will bring our bodies back, that he will resurrect us as he did Christ, and uh, will be given a new body, one that doesn't ever wear out, and that his spirit will be within us, that our spirit will be restored and his spirit will be within us, and, and then the two will be one. We'll, we'll be in oneness with one with his spirit, as Jesus and the Father are one and the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus and the Father are one. So we will be one with him, and, and so, but we'll be our own distinct person. I'll still be me, you'll still be you, uh, but we will, it will be natural to us at that point to fulfill what the law says. We will we will operate in accordance with the way God designed us to operate, the way God designed us. And, and it's not going to be robotic as much as it is it will just be our natural desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's rough living in this world right now because we fight against our natural desires. But just think about if we were in harmony with everything mm-hmm. that, uh, that if you that you only wanted cookies that were good for you <laughs> and uh, and you only ate enough cookies to satisfy you and then you didn't want any more cookies. You know, it's like somebody says, mm-hmm. would you like another cookie? And you're like, no, I really, I really am good. And you didn't have to check your insulin levels and you didn't have to, <laughs> to see, go to the doctor or go to the dentist because you had too many, you didn't brush properly or whatever, mm-hmm. that those things were taken out because right now it's all out of, it's in chaos and mm-hmm. disproportionate. And uh, and so what I think is so cool is that Ezekiel, in dealing with Israel where they were, is looking ahead at something now. Mm-hmm. You and I know uh, that the Spirit of God has been given to us, that we do have God's Spirit within us, that we have been given the ability to obey Him. Mm-hmm. Though in this phase, in this dispensation, however you want to think of it, uh, we are still battling, still battling the old with the new. But there will come a time when the new will win. And uh, and that battle won't be any more. So, uh, I'm, it's, it's neat neat how um, that uh, this the promise of restoration just continually unfolds more and more, and it's not done yet. So, right. the the promise of what is to come is is um, I was built up by the promise of what he's already given. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is when these people were in exile, they could not imagine Christ being given. Holy Spirit being released as he did. We already know that happened. So Ezekiel looked ahead. So in the same way that happened, so the ultimate fulfillment of what he's talking about will be realized as well. And it's crazy that you bring that up because Hebrews 11.1 is what this talks about, the future of hope, right? Um, Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I think I I constantly go back to this of when like I feel that position of just like, wow, there's nothing on this earth. Like, that's good. Like, oh my goodness. It's like, yeah, but our hope is in the future of when that restoration is just there. And we all just are in harmony, you know, like that Revelation 22 life. It's like, that's where our hope should be. And we can have faith in God because he's faithful to fulfill the promises that were in Ezekiel. So he will still be faithful to, to, you know, um, fulfill the promises in Revelation. Yeah. Is that what you're going to, were you going to read that? No, but that oh. was just like oh, a, <laughs> another relatable yeah. thing. Yeah, and I do love Hebrews 11. Yeah. And you're, you're, I mean, and it does, it goes back through so much mm-hmm. um, through what has happened in the past. And you're right, they are, it even talks about how they were people who were looking forward mm-hmm. to what we yeah. have seen in reality. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, 
I, I just wish we had the same faith that they had, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that would sustain us a little bit better yeah. uh, in the time we're in. Okay. What else yeah, did you have? So just literally, like we said, I wish we had faith like these people in the Bible. Um, uh, Eleven. Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6. Um, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 11, 5 says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And every time I read this, it just blows my mind that like, Enoch just like didn't die. Like God just like mm-hmm. picked him up and put him in heaven with him because he was faithful. Um, and that just blows my mind every single time of just like, wow, we are so not faithful. Um, and like Enoch didn't even taste death. Um, and that is just crazy to me. Um, but it continues on. And without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he, and that he rewards those who seek him. Um, and it was that, that little, um, those who seek him that stuck out to me, um, noticing that it's an active verb and it's not a verb that it's like those who did seek him um, or who, um, will seek him in the future. It's like those who are seeking him now. Um, and just a, a reminder that it's a constant um, faith. It's something that we constantly do every day. It, that we seek him when we wake up, before we go to bed, and when, and it just, it's a continual thing. I'm remembering that that's active and it's not a, a dormant thing. So that was the thing that stuck out to me in Hebrews 11. So awesome, awesome. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, I'm going to go to James. Me too. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I should have turned there while you were talking, but mm-hmm. I didn't. But, uh, Hebrews, James, there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to what I was talking about with Ezekiel, it is one of the things that uh, the idea of being born again is something we take for granted. Mm. But it is uh, that language that Ezekiel is using is the same. It's the same theme that Paul uses and that they use in the Gospels, in the Gospel of John, when he talks, when he, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about how we have to be born mm. again. God literally has to give us a, a new heart. And, um, and I think that uh, is one of the things that is you know when we talk about how do I know I'm a Christian how do I know I'm saved it's not uh it even says it's not something you do mm-hmm. it's something that God does to you and the evidence is that you are now uh, you now are empowered to obey his will and to do what he's asking so uh which is good because when we get into James it's really tempting to when you read James to look and say uh oh wow I am lost or I'm, or I'm whatever, because it looks like a works-based salvation. Mm. It looks like your salvation is based, but James is just simply echoing what is shared throughout all of scripture. Mm. And that is, if you have been changed by God, this is, these things should be characteristic of mm. your life. That's why he says faith without works is dead. Because if you have a, you say you have faith, but you don't have works to accompany it, well, that provides no evidence. That means God's not doing anything, right. and God does something. Uh, when he changes you, you are changed, and so there should be evidence of that change. Uh, and, and just a, a, an encouragement, if, you, if you're like, well, I don't feel changed or whatever, mm-hmm. well, then that's a reason to go to God now and ask him to change mm-hmm. you now. Yeah. And don't say, well, I don't want to do it because I already did it 10 years ago. No, if, mm-hmm. if you feel today, you, you need God's hand to change you. You know, you can sort out Later, when you get to heaven, it's like, (laughs) did that happen when I was 12 or did it happen when I was 22 or did it happen when I was 50? What matters is that it happened. At some point, God did change you and made you new. And uh, and so if you don't feel like the evidence is there in your life, then absolutely ask him Mm. to uh, come and and do his work. But this is James chapter 1. It says, Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive 
the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. It, and this goes right along with what we were talking about. Uh, it is by God's choice that he gave us this birth by the word of truth to be the first fruits of his creatures, meaning these, the firstborn of the resurrection is Jesus. And we, following suit with him, have been changed, transformed into his likeness so that we can enjoy eternity with him. And and so he's talking about trials. And so when we say we're going through a trial and say, it's God who's tempting me, uh, he's saying God is not tempted by evil and he doesn't himself tempt anyone. So here, here's how this kind of plays out. When you have a temptation that comes into your life, it is something that exists in the world that you are, that appeals to your fleshly nature, to your fallen nature. And as you're enticed by that, God is not making that happen. Mm -hmm. He, it is just something that uh, he could keep it from happening. Meaning uh, if you are going back to our cookie analogy, because I am tempted by sugar cookies, specifically <laughs> the frosting and little sprinkles on them. Mm, uh, they yeah. are, they are one of my weaknesses. <laughs> so that cookie is there. God, God could keep me from being around the cookies. He could keep the cookies from existing. He could, he could allow that or always divert me. So when we say, do not lead us into temptation. Mm. We're really praying, God, keep me away from the cookies. Right. <laughs> Don't let there be cookies on the counter when I get home today. You know, uh, but it's not God initiating that temptation. He's not making me want those cookies. Mm. He didn't even make the cookies. Right. Uh, but there, uh, there are moments when the cookies are made, right. and there they are, <laughs> and I want the cookies. And and so He's saying. Uh, each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed mm. by his own evil desire. Right. My desire to eat that plate full of cookies, the all 37 cookies uh, in one sitting, that's me. Yeah. That's my own evil desire, <laughs> uh, wanting to do something that would be harmful to me. And uh, and so I'm I'm drawn drawn by that. Uh, and he's saying after I've conceived the, the the problem is is that once we have conceived it, once I begin thinking I really want the cookies. Uh, and that's when it gives birth mm -hmm. to sin. Thinking about the cookies is not the sin. Mm -hmm. um, it is coming up with a conception to how I'm going to get those cookies yeah. and, and eat them. Uh, Jesus used that, uh, used the illustration how a woman, uh, how a man who lusts after a woman in his heart has already committed adultery mm -hmm. with him. He's saying that once you have conceived that thought of I'm going to do something, I'm going to betray my spouse and I'm going to engage in this relationship with this other woman. Once you've conceived that in your mind, now it's just a process of giving birth mm -hmm. to that sin. Yeah. Um, and so Jesus even went further to say, you've committed the sin already. Uh, you're already going down that path. And, and think of it like childbirth. Once the child has been conceived, mm -hmm. then the, the child exists. And right. it's just a matter of it coming into fruition. Um, and uh, and once it's fully grown, then the result is death. Mm -hmm. Once, once sin has its way, it always brings death. The wages of sin is always death. 
It always brings destruction, always brings death, no matter what level it is or what it causes. Every every sin we commit, we we like to play it down as though sin doesn't really matter. It doesn't. It's not that big a deal or whatever. But it always always brings death into the world through some form or fashion. The only th- only reason we don't feel that sting of death is kind of like when Adam and Eve sinned. They didn't instantly die, but they were dying, and the world was dying, and they were going to pass that death on to every generation thereafter. And that is the same that is true for us. The redeeming thing is, is that Christ makes it possible for us to have life because he takes the death, the punishment, the wages of that death. He pays the price for it. Mm-hmm. So through his own death. Uh, and so that's the only reason why we don't feel the sting of death as a result of sin is because of the grace of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. because of him bearing those sins upon the cross and so forth. So there always needs to be a sobering reminder that this is what caused him to have to die uh, is our reckless disregard for our, our giving in to this, the enticement of our own evil desires. And, and so he says, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above that God is the one. God is not the one initiating this evil. God is not the one bringing about this darkness. That is so important in our world today that we have a world that continually blames God for all the bad things that are in the world. God is not the one who is ushering in all these bad things. God, you say, well, why did God make me this way that I uh, have these desires? It's like God did not make you that way. Mm -hmm. God did not make us with these evil desires. It is a result of the fall, Mm -hmm. a result of us uh, as a as a as a as humanity, we gave ourselves over to sin. We we gave in to those lusts, and all of us do it. We all are born uh, giving ourselves over to that fleshly nature. Uh, it's it's Christ. It, it would be like blaming uh, the. Um, um, I'm trying to think, blaming the shipmakers, the Titanic, uh, for the iceberg. Mm. You know, but it's like they didn't make the iceberg. <laughs> right. Uh, they, they just. Right. Uh, they. It just. Uh, now, now it's a, a result of of uh, the people who are trying to rescue mm. uh, everybody. I, I guess I'm trying to think of how to play that analogy. Out. I guess the other <laughs> boats who are trying to save the people off the Titanic mm. aren't the cause of the accident. Right. They're just the ones who recognize that the fall has taken place, that mm-hmm. this, something bad's going to happen, and bringing deliverance uh, through it. So um, and that's uh, that's that's kind of how James is going to go into, you know, how we need to be doers of the word. But the um, but the the key here is that when we face that trial, when we face that temptation, when you when you're struggling through it, to understand that um, that it's that that's that's coming from within you. Um, that it is it is trying to not surrender to the the, the flesh, but instead uh, the, the expression I like to say is we need to feed our faith mm. rather than feed our flesh. Mm. And so when we are in those situations, feed your faith that God will take care of you. That I do not need the cookies, mm, yeah. <laughs> you know. And uh, and so just reject that and say instead I'm going to put my trust. Jesus illustrated that when he was being tempted by the by the devil by when he was on you know uh, going 40 days uh, fasting for 40 days without food mm. and <laughs> and so he's super hungry yet the, when the enemy comes he he tells him that he doesn't need bread you know I don't need what you're offering me and incredible strength and power right. and fortitude. And then and then Satan's offering him the kingdoms of the world. Satan's offering him power. 
Uh, and Jesus is like, I don't need any of these things from you. Mm-hmm. And that's because his faith is centered in his father and not in the things that Satan is offering to feed those yeah. desires he has. Yeah. I love your point just to, um, just about the whole like relationship with sin that humanity has. And I think it's really cool to like point out as well, like the, the whole birth, like why, why that, why that image. And I think, um, when I first read this, it was, I mean, obviously it was confusing. I was like, why are we talking about sin and like being birthed like a child, but like humanity, not in a good way, has an intimate relationship with sin. And we Mm -hmm. let that take the place of God. Um, and that just like, I don't know, that was just, it just blew my mind when I, when I realized that, but Yeah. yeah. Um, so Further on in James 1, um, 23 and verse 24 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Um, And this just like is a constant like reminder um, to me in scripture of just like remembering who Christ made me to be um, and what he wants me to do. I um, mean, re- reminds me, you know, like, what does his word say? And I think about um, all the time. It's like when we look at ourselves in the view of Christ, we see redeemed child, someone who is doing the work of the Lord, who are doing these things. And we walk away and we totally forget what we're supposed to be doing. Um, we lose sight of um, how we're supposed to act. Um, we lose sight of God's word and what it says. Um, and I know that the same thing, like if we're just hearing the word of God, uh, and we're not doing it. It's the same thing of just, I know what it says, but I don't want to do it. Um, cause I just totally forgot who God has called me to be, who I am in Christ. Um, and even just like a view of self. Um, sometimes I can see just in, um, some Christian circles of just this like negative view of who you are. Like, it's like, I'm just a horrible person and nothing good about me, blah, 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 blah. And like, yes, that's true. That's true of our flesh, but our spirit is redeemed and we're in Christ. Um, and God has made us incredible, um, in him through his son. Um, and I think that sometimes when we have this horrible negative view of ourself, then that bleeds over into every part of our life. And we begin to look at people, um, even Christians who are, and we just look at them as like, oh man, you're just so bad. And we focus on our flesh and not the the spirit that is living within us. Um, and that should be an encouragement to us and, and remember um, that the person we see in the mirror is not who God sees. Hmm. Um, and we can't walk away from that mirror and forget what God has made us and what he has called us to do. Um, and that just every time again, like with Hebrews one, it's like, I will, I will always go back to this and it will continually just blow my mind. Um, so yeah, Hmm. we, when I was in Sunday school, we used to sing, um, a song out of James one 22 comes a call for juniors. True. It just tells how old that song was. Uh, and it was be doers of the word. It was be doers of the word, be doers of the mm. word, be doers of the word. <laughs> anyway, and, it, the, uh, and not hears only. Mm. Um, and I, anyway, it always stuck with my, uh, stuck with me. Uh, not that it was a King James Version song, mm. but the, uh, but this, the, the fact that uh, DC Talk came out with a song called Love is a Verb mm. and, and how, how putting those, how how we get so emotionally tied mm. to our faith, meaning it's something we feel. Mm. And I, people, when we say I love God and I love you and right. I love, you know, and we use those words because we have this feeling of emotion mm. and passion for those things. But to understand those things are fleeting, right? And also, uh, you know, I would have guys come to me and say, you know, I just don't love my wife anymore. Mm. He said, I says, I just, all I do now is I just, I stay uh, faithful at home, faithful to her, faithful to go work, faithful. And I'm like, dude, 
that is loving your right, wife. You know, right. and that's the loving when that means you don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like doing those things, but you do them anyway. Right. And and that's what love is. When feelings fail, you still uh, still pursue that that putting works to your faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's. Uh, uh, you know, it's and, and he uses that illustration in chapter two, where he says, if uh, you see somebody who's without clothes and without food, to say, go in peace, be warmed and filled, right. you know, yeah. and uh, and then don't do anything, right? You know, but but we when we actually do put things to action, um, that's that's what real faith is. Yeah. But so, yeah. Uh, well, okay, cool. Uh, did I have one more? Did I have another? Uh, I think you should, but if you don't, no. then oh. <laughs> I could keep <laughs> going on James. <laughs> Uh, what else? I did have something else. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, nope, nope. That's next week. Um, so I don't want to go back. <laughs> Let's get back to Hebrews because there was something in Hebrews I wanted to share. Um, although I did want to say from Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-seven, he who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Mm. Just as a reminder of the importance of taking care of the poor. Mm. Uh, but Hebrews chapter twelve and verse fourteen. Um, it says, pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. Mm-hmm. And make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. I wrote in my journal, this is probably one of my least favorite passages in Scripture. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's for this reason uh, it has this unbearable sting uh, because the the story of Esau is like the epitome of weakness of the flesh. Uh, we all seem strong and we're all willing to pursue holiness uh, until until we're hungry. Mm. And, and it's amazing how all these fit together. <laughs> but uh, it's when we're hungry that we reveal who our true God is. Mm. It's where we turn to to be filled. And uh, perhaps uh, this is why Jesus fasted 40 days and why the enemy assaulted him at the end. And and when his hunger was the greatest, Mm. it was Satan's greatest opportunity to get Jesus to turn from his father and to him to to receive his sustenance. Mm. And and so think about it, how how diabolical that is. You've been without food for 40 days, and he's like, I'm going to come and offer him bread. Right. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm gonna do. And if he takes the bread from me, then I'm his God. Mm. You know. And yet God and that Jesus refused it. And and then you have Esau who didn't go 40 days without food, <laughs> uh, but who comes home and who's hungry and gets his birth right away just right. so he can have a bowl of stew. Mm. And I think and the reason why I hate that story is I think of all the times in my life that it was that easy mm. for me when yeah. all all I just I had not gone long without whatever it is I wanted, whether it's, you know, I want to play a video game or right. you want something. I think about kids that I've known who've stolen baseball cards, you know, from Walmart <laughs> or whatever, and, and the irritation that put in my life of having to, you know, make them go back. And I, but I, but I, but I can understand them. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it, I think we get mad at people because we're like, why are you so weak? Mm-hmm. We're really yelling at ourselves. Why are we all so weak? Yeah. Why are we such, we're such horrible people? Uh, but it is, it's because we, you know, when we're strong, when we're well-fed, when we're at our best, mm-hmm. we think I will never, we're like Peter, yeah. I yeah. will never deny you. Right. I will never forsake you. I will will always be obedient. 
and then uh, it comes in the, a set of circumstances mm. come and we're like, oh man, I didn't think it would be this yeah. hard. I didn't <laughs> think it would be this difficult, but I'm so hungry. Mm. I'm so tired, you know. And that whole night, it was that was the way right. it was. They were so tired. It's right. like, oh, we just want to sleep, or we just want to. I'm just, you know, I'm just so worn out and so forth. And it's like uh, that's when the enemy comes yeah. at, at that moment, and you see that disappointing look of Jesus, you know, of on it. I, um, I had this. Uh, we had this moment where we were trying to go to the mission field, and uh, I remember having a discussion with the lady uh, because we had, I had made a mistake in the process, and uh, I told her, I said, is this. Is this an Esau moment mm. or a or like a Joseph or a Daniel moment mm. or something? But I said, is it like one of those? It's just not right now right. that this opportunity is here, or is this never? And I remember she looked at me and she said, this is an Esau moment. Mm. And I was like, and it was just that bitterness of, I you know just because of my impatience and wanting mm. to make it happen myself, right. uh, lost it. And, and there was no getting it back. Mm. And it was, and that's the part where that's hurt so bad is he it says he pursued it with tears. Mm. You know, it's like he realized how stupid he was, right. but he never got it back and mm. lost his birthright, lost his, lost his blessing in the family, which is even worse. Now he had his blessing cheated out of him. That's a whole nother yeah. story, but he gave his birthright away. Yeah. So, but, um, but anyway, those are, those are some pretty compelling things. Well, mm. we're going to come back in just a second. We're going to, um, do some questions. So okay. we'll be right back. Okay, we're back, and we're going to deal with some questions that we have uh, for uh, questions. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to set that up. So, except Daniel usually says that. Mm. So, so Josh, in the form of a question, yes, what is what is it that you want to ask? Well, here's the verses they're based out of. I have okay. Psalm 128:1 and Psalm 130, verse four. Psalm 128.1 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And if you go on further to Psalm 130, um, verse 3 and 4 says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. And um, this is a, a question I've had for years and years and years, and I've tried to find the answer to it. And now that I'm in school, like learning throughout the Old Testament, um, I think I have a slight answer to it, but I want to hear your input. But... I want to hear your slight answer to it first. Okay, great. Um, but the question is, is what does it mean to fear the Lord? Okay. Um, and my slight answer is um, just understanding that God is holy mm-hmm. and set apart, um, and he is, like that should be scary as it is, um, <laughs> just how yeah. pure he is. Um, and so I think that if if we look at the Old Testament in the view of the tabernacle and the understanding how pure and clean he is, mm-hmm. um, that he should be feared in the way of just like he is his great and mighty. Um, like he took over Pharaoh. He took over um, just if we look at Joshua, the conquest and how many kingdoms he just took down um, by speaking or um, with Dagon in the temple when he decapitated the the. The, the false God right. um, and understanding of, of fearing the Lord means um, kind of being in awe of him at mm-hmm. the same time of understanding that he has power and might. And that, that's my slight answer. Um, and I just wanted to see if, you know, okay. Um, shave the, that down. The, 
you know, the, the most oft-repeated command in the Bible is do not be afraid mm. and or fear not. Right. And it's kind of ironic then that we're told to fear the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, what it really comes down to is when uh, when God is dealing with people, especially in the Old Testament and the New Testament too, but especially in the Old Testament, there's always this uh, battle between deities, mm. and people are always you have you have a god of the sun, you have a god of fertility, you have God, and if you think about those pagan gods, uh, why would you have a god of the sun because you need sunlight? Why mm. would you have a god of rain because you need rain? Why do you have a god of fertility because you need things to reproduce, uh, and you want the ground to be fertile and and produce uh, you know fruit and so forth. And so, uh, when those things are not happening, mm-hmm. when they don't, when when we when our finances are threatened, when our health is threatened, or, or whatever, those things we become afraid of what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. When we are fearful, uh, when we begin to become afraid, what we are afraid of reveals, betrays, whatever, of who we thinks in control, mm-hmm. who we thinks in power. When we began to think, I need to, uh, I mean, just think about how you react to that. I get sick, I go to the doctor what are, because I think that's what's going to fix me. Uh, and when, so when he says, fear the Lord, he's saying, and Jesus even says specifically, don't be afraid of the one who has the power to kill you. Be afraid of the one who has the power to, not only to mm-hmm. kill you, but to cast your soul into hell. And, and he's making the, the most valid point, and that is that don't, don't be af- afraid of what's going to happen if you don't go to the doctor. Don't be afraid of what's going to happen if your boss calls you into his office. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of what's going to happen if uh, the coronavirus breaks right. out or whatever. <laughs> you know, right. and, and that's really a very telling thing right now where we all are about how we respond to even things like the coronavirus and, and, and elections. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, if this person gets elected or if this happens here. When we fear the Lord, that means that we believe he is the one who is complete control, that he is deserving of our reverence and all, that he is the one who is going to make it or not make it work or and our who sustains us and who provides for us and who takes care of us. And so that it is uh, it, it is it does encompass in the word itself a reverent mm-hmm. awe of just a recognition that I am completely dependent mm-hmm upon you for everything. Um, but when we get afraid and of other things, we're saying, I think this is more powerful than God. Right. And that's why he says, that's why Jesus says, don't worry. It, we, we always think of it like that. He's, it's like a slap on the hand. Like, yep. don't worry because I shouldn't worry, you know? And so, but no, he's saying the fact that you are worried reveals you really don't believe I'm God, right, right. and and we don't really connect those dots uh, too easily. But yeah, so when he's when he's saying happy is everyone who fears the Lord, uh, who walks in His ways, he's saying that uh, when you fear God and recognize that He is the all powerful one, that He's the one who takes care of you, provides for you, and you walk in His ways, yeah. then you don't have any you don't have right. worries, you right. don't have any stresses and anxieties, but. Uh, the level of anxiety medication that Americans are on, the level of stress therapy, the level of suicide, the level of 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 people depression mm-hmm. reveals that we fear a lot of things other than God. Mm. So, anyway, okay, good answer. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> That's the only answer I got. <laughs> oh my. Okay, another one. 
another one uh, is just a context, like a historical question in mm-hmm. James. Um, James chapter 1 says, James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes and the dispersions, mm. greetings. Um, oh, we have a comment. Oh, a comment. Uh, from Beasley, Mr. Beasley. I also think um, fear of the Lord as a fear of disappointing him. Oh, That's yeah. Comment. I would say that, yeah. Yeah. A That's pretty good. Dis- yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, okay, back to James 1. The 12 tribes and the dispersion. Greetings, he says. Um, so what is what is the dispersion, Troy? And why is James, the brother of Jesus, writing this to them? Well, the dispersion, uh, the diaspora, is mm-hmm. a uh, when the Jews were scattered all over the all over the world. Um, it, it starts with the exile uh, when they were first captured by. Uh, well, the Assyrians first captured the northern kingdom, mm-hmm. then Babylon uh, conquered Assyria and further, so they were taken into further captivity, and then Babylon conquered the southern kingdom, Judah, and so all of Israel was then captured at that point and 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 taken away from their homeland. They came back uh, as a time uh, after time of exile, but then there were multiple dispersions when uh, there would be battles between them and the Romans. Um, there would be a lot of people who would uh, leave to go, when the when the Greek uh, when the Greeks came in before the Romans, and then the Romans come in. Uh, you have people scattered all over. Uh, Paul was part of that dispersion. He was a Roman citizen. He wasn't born in Jerusalem or Israel. He was um, Paul of Tarsus. But the um, but this is a uh, there then in eighty seventy. Uh, some people think that maybe James was written in 8070, but it was probably before that, because in 8070, everybody was uh, cast out of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, there were periods of time later, uh, and this has nothing to do with James, but the, <laughs> there were periods of time later that uh, actually Jewish people were banned from Palestine because they made an attempt to rebuild the temple, mm-hmm. to take back the territory and so forth. And so this is during the reign of uh, the Roman Empire, of course, lasted for hundreds of years. But uh, during that time, they were uh, they were actually banished. They were not allowed to come back and uh, and inform any type of mm-hmm. order within it. And that's when they changed the name to Palestine mm-hmm. uh, and uh, to just take away any reference to Israel's heritage, which really stood true till 1947. You mm-hmm. know, and, and when they oh, wow. went back and reclaimed Israel, the Zionist movement. Um, but um, so when James is talking here. And let me just say, James, one of the fascinating things about James is James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He's the half-brother of Jesus. He was one who did not believe in Jesus when Jesus was alive. It took the resurrection. Uh, I've heard commentators say uh, that's what it probably would take any brother to believe that his brother was the the Messiah. (laughs) If you have a sibling, uh, it'd be really hard to believe that your brother was uh, when he says, hey, I'm I'm the Messiah. It's like, yeah, sure you are. Uh, Whatever. You know, help me. Help me with the trash, uh, but the uh, but Jesus and Jesus' brother was no exception. He did he didn't he believed he was crazy, um, and uh, tried to get him to come home. They were ashamed of him and, and the things he was doing. Uh, but after the resurrection, which is just amazing proof of the resurrection, uh, he did believe and, and was martyred. 
uh, for his uh, faith in his brother, uh, Jesus. Uh, but he became one of the leaders. He was the leader of the church in Jerusalem uh, and, and was prominent in the early councils. Um, but so when he's speaking, he's 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 really addressing the Jewish people. He he was really a leader of the Jewish church. Important to remember that the the early church was Jewish. Uh, it was Paul's efforts to take the gospel out, and and James was. Uh, sympathetic to those. He was part of the group that came together and said, what should be the expectations we have for Gentiles when they come in? But he was a leader of the Jewish church. And uh, and as such, as he's addressing this letter, saying not only to those who are in Jerusalem, but also to all the 12 tribes Mm -hmm. who are scattered throughout, uh, a belief that God was bringing Israel back together and and I believe that too. I believe that God has a special place in this kingdom for Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm not sure. I believe. Uh, well, I, I'm pretty confident. I don't believe in the dispensational aspect of that of them coming back together. As a, I think now there is a that Jesus is uh, the fulfillment of the of the prophecies of Israel. I think now everybody comes through Jesus Christ. That right. does, he's the only way we are saved. Uh, and um, and so that that's um, uh, so yeah he's he's addressing but the dispersions uh, have occurred in different periods of time over time but it just addresses all the people who've been cast out if you think of uh, like in the book of Acts uh, you have people from the dispersion who are all coming back to Jerusalem right. uh, when Pentecost occurs and they receive these that's why they are speaking in tongues mm-hmm. because these people all came from different lands that would also be the dispersion as well so. Long answer to a short question, but good answer. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So anyway, I think we've I think we've covered quite a bit. Yeah. I've uh, I really appreciate you being here today, yeah, covering no this with me. I, we've missed Daniel. Look forward to him being back with us next week. But um, but uh, we have proven that we could get through it um, <laughs> without him if we have to. So anyway, but uh, anyway, we'll um, we'll be back uh, next week on Understanding Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.